Wow, just a great day and really excited to be here. Also, if we're in the room, we have overflow both in the green room and in the lobby. Can we let them know that we noticed them and value them? Thank you guys for being with us. If we haven't met, my name is Todd and Evan. Wow, that was absolutely amazing. And if you don't follow Jesus, you just heard the gospel. And so know there is an invitation at any point in our gatherings. You can go back to the prayer corner, from the green room, from the lobby, from the front row, and you, we would love to talk with you about what it means to repent, a change of mind that results in a change of action, and follow Jesus. Because we've already heard the gospel. We will hear it again. But we are just so grateful for that opportunity to be reminded of how when we are at our lowest, Jesus meets us there. And he gives us a gift and reminds us of his love. And I think some of you might be at that low point, and I hope you're able to receive that song as a gift from Jesus today. So as we continue the series we're in called Do I Add Value? I just want to share part of my personal inspiration for this series. And it goes back to my last semester in college at Lee University. Uh, Anybody go to Lee? Like two of you. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, no, that's fine. Um, It's my last semester. I started off that semester uh, really with a spiritual high. I had the privilege of going to student, doing the first part of my student teaching in Ghana, Africa. And that was just absolutely amazing, a life-changing experience for me. And as has often happens, coming off a spiritual high, we hit a spiritual low. And so coming back from that, I just really got to a low place. I didn't realize at the time, which is also very common. But part of the reason is that I was just distracted. Now, I know what I'm about to say applies to none of you guys, um, but I was distracted by a girl. I know none of us have ever let a relationship distract us, right? Nobody in here. You're like, yeah, what is this guy talking about? It's never happened. But I was distracted by a girl. Now, there's nothing wrong with her. She loved Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. But the relationship was not healthy. And what I began to do is distance myself from my friends. I distanced myself from serving And using the abilities God had given me to try to spend basically every waking moment that I wasn't student teaching with her. And thankfully, God reached out and grabbed me and woke me up. And he did that through Jason Cox. Um, Jason is a longtime mentor of mine. And Jason asked me to come be the speaker for their camp um, in the morning. And so I said, yes, I love to communicate. I love to be there. I love students. And so I came and, and, and did that. And, and while I was speaking at camp, a couple of key things happened. Number one is God woke me up because I was around students and I love students. In fact, I was about to, in August, start my job as a high school history teacher. And I'd already been coaching football. And I was gonna be coaching football. Like I absolutely love students, but I'd not been investing in students because I'd been spending all this time with this girl. And so when I was at camp, God woke me up to, hey, look, what are you doing? And I realized that I had just wasted the past few months. Now, a detail that, that helps that I left out is during this time, God had actually moved her to another country to serve. And so that helped clear my mind a little bit. That was really healthy. Praise Jesus for mission journeys, okay? God can use them in mysterious ways. Um, and so I began to, to wake up to that. Now, the second thing that happened is kind of like corollary, but I met the most beautiful woman I've ever laid eyes on named Whitney Stevenson, okay? Whitney Barton at the time. Um, now, just to be clear, lots of integrity in our relationship. Like, we were both dating different people at the time. We both thought, man, we're, there's no way we'll ever have an opportunity to date each other as over the few months as it was like, oh, both of these relationships might end. And then when they both ended, God brought us together. Praise Jesus. He is a miracle-working God, okay? But through all that... God began to show me that I had just wasted this time. 
that I had gifts and abilities that I just simply wasn't stepping into. So I came back from camp and I switched churches, came to Jason's church, North Cleveland Baptist, the church that sent Whitney and I out to be here. And I began serving with students because that was part of my gifting. And I loved it. It was so much fun. And when this girl was getting ready to come back, we had this conversation. I think it was Skype at the time. I'm not sure. It was several years ago. <clears throat> but we had this conversation and she was like, look, you're going to be busy teaching and coaching. And um, so because of all that, like you can just volunteer less at the church in order to spend time with me. And I processed that and I was like, or I can break up with you and volunteer all I want at the church. I'm just saying. So she gets back in the country, get rid of her. I'm with Whitney. The rest, you know, is history. My point being, sometimes we let things distract us or we have other reasons and we don't see it at the time. But we look back and we go, you know what? That season was honestly a lot of waste. And why was it wasted? Because I wasn't utilizing all the gifts and abilities that God has put inside of me. And when we're not doing that, we're missing something. So a huge part of even doing this series is I don't want you to look back on this season and go, it was wasted. I don't want you to just kind of sit on the sidelines like I was doing and kind of maybe serve every once in a while, maybe kind of use a gift every once in a while. And then six months from now, a year from now, six years from now, go, man, God actually had me there for a purpose and I missed it. So my hope is that all of us can step into that purpose. And then here's the other part of that is, okay, that was 14 years ago. So for 14 years, I've been stepping into my purpose, living in the gifts God has given me. There's not been a wasted season like that since then. But 14 years in, the question is, how do I go another 14 years? And some of you have been going for 30 years. How do you go another 30 years? In other words, if we're talking about adding value, God has put gifts inside of us, abilities inside of us, and we add the most value when we're utilizing those gifts, but sometimes we get tired. And sometimes we get knocked down. And sometimes there's adversity. And it's really easy for us to not sustain. So today, as we continue our series, we really want to talk on two different angles. Number one is how do we not waste this season by being who God has formed us to be? And then how do we sustain that? Because it's not enough just to do that in August or September or through the rest of 2023, but how can we make sure that in 2033, we are still adding the value that God has put inside of us to add? So to have this conversation, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. If you want to join me in your Bible or Bible app, we are going to be in Ephesians 4 first. It's going to be in the sc- on the screen, all the scriptures on the screen. But I'm going to take a moment to do a little bit lengthier review than I would normally do, because I think it's really important that we know where we've been to understand where, we've go, where we're going. And also, the simple fact is, we all miss stuff, and we learn through repetition. So we're going to start the review by going back to the first scripture we used, week one on August 6, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is where we started this journey. And it says this, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Summary, for those of us who are leaders in the church, both paid and non-paid, we are a gift to the church. So what is our role? Their responsibility is to equip God's people. That's everybody. 
Everybody follows Jesus to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, we're going to land on this for just a moment. I'd love for us to all read this together because this is huge for us because here's what it's saying. If you're a leader, if you're not a leader, we all have a role to play. In other words, in the Jesus movement, there are no spectators. There are only participants. And something that I'm learning is that some of you may not have ever been told that. And if all you've been told is just come and consume, then like you're missing out on what God has for you. And it's not your fault that nobody told you, but we just want to let God's word speak for itself as it says, no, no, we all have work to do to build up his church. So let's read this together and just internalize this. Ready, go. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And then we've got work to do until, here's the next verse, verse 13. It says this, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, so the challenge of this series is to see that we all have a role in Jesus' church. And to understand that statement, say this every week, and I'll say it again next week as we finish the series. We are not at church today. We don't go to church. We are the church. So when we talk about having a role in Jesus' church, we talk about doing good works that build up Jesus' church. That includes what we do on campus and includes what we do off campus. In fact, all of the opportunities that we have to serve here, here's, here's how we describe them. We describe them as practice. We just want to schedule you to get you reps in your gifting So that when it's game time, that's with your family, that's with your friends, that's at your job. When it's game time, you are prepared because you've gotten practice reps. We're the church wherever we are. So to help us understand this, we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so just go with me to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. We'll launch off there. It says, just as a body, the one has many parts. But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Paul is the author of both Ephesians and 1 Corinthians. And what he's saying here is, I want to help you understand that you've all got a vital role to play. So he uses this analogy of a body. And a lot of us know what it's like to be sick. And when one part of our body is not working properly, it affects everything else, doesn't it? Like we need everything to work together. And so what he's saying here is, the church is the body of Christ. That together, every single Jesus follower, what we do is together, we represent Jesus. But it takes all of us. It's not just one of us. It takes all of us. And what he establishes in 1 Corinthians 12, we talked about this a little bit last week, is that all of us have a spiritual gift, a spirit-empowered ability to build up Jesus' church. That all of us have that. But last week we realized and discussed some of us don't feel very gifted and some of us feel like we're stuck in our gifts and we can't fully utilize them. So a question we've been asking just to revisit it just a little bit is how do we discover our gifts? How how do we discover what God has put inside of us so we even know what role to step into? That's a huge question for us living in our purpose. Well, 12 times in the first 13 verses of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul mentions the Holy Spirit because it's a spirit-empowered gift. It's not a genetic gift. You have those from your mom and dad. 
You also have some things you wish your parents didn't give you, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> you have some things your dad's good at and so you're good at, some things your mom's good at, so you're good at. No, no, we're talking about when we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, he's a member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit literally puts a gift inside of us. It doesn't just put it there and says, figure it out. No, the Holy Spirit is God with us, God living in us. So then he works inside of us, energizing that gift, empowering us to both discover and step into that gift. And that's where we are going to find our purpose. In fact, the next verse lays that out very clearly. Verse 13, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Two different times it says one spirit. What does Paul want us to understand? That we become Jesus followers through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's like if, if you don't follow Jesus and you're watching this or you're, you're listening, we are praying that the Holy Spirit would move inside of you and would draw you to Jesus. Because if that doesn't happen, then you're not going to follow Jesus. And for all of us who follow Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit was moving in us. Now, the Holy Spirit uses people. And there's probably somebody that shared the gospel with you, just like Evan shared the gospel with us today. But the Holy Spirit has to be moving. So the Holy Spirit leads us to repent, to follow Jesus. And then we are baptized. What is baptism? Baptism is simply a public display of an inward transformation. The fact that no longer are we the king of our lives, Jesus is the king. Because he died and rose again, and we've accepted his love and accepted his forgiveness. So he's the king now, and we get baptized. We just let everybody know that. Jesus is the king. But baptism also marks something else that we can easily forget. It marks entry into a family. It's saying that, you know what? The Holy Spirit has led me to follow Jesus, and now I'm going to be an active participant in the body of Christ. I'm going to step into my role in this family. And so, by the way, if you have never been baptized, maybe you follow Jesus, you've never been baptized, September 10th, you can just write down that day. We're going to have baptism on September 10th. If you just go to the info hub at the end of the day, you scan that QR code and you can send us an email. Like, we would love to baptize you on September 10th. Or if you follow Jesus between now and September 10th, hey, that's a great day to go public and get baptized and to say, I am going to be an active participant in this body because I'm part of the body of Christ. And then we talked about last week, the Spirit sustains us. That's that part at the end, that we drink of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we've got to be in the Word, and we've got to be praying daily. And as we give the Holy Spirit space in our lives, I'm just telling you, it may take some time, but He's going to show us how our Father uniquely crafted us. He's going to show us how we're designed, how we're wired, what our proclivities are, what those gifts are from the Holy Spirit, and then he's going to push us to step into those gifts within Jesus' church and to be an active participant in the body. So just to take a moment and remind us, that's why we're doing 21 days of prayer. Because this series is incomplete if we're just saying, hey, here's some opportunities. We invite you to step into the body. No, no, no. It's not about where you want to step in the body. It's where the Holy Spirit is leading you to step in the body. So we've got to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so maybe it's your first week here, or maybe you've been busy, and you're like, well, it's day 15. Forget that. No, no, no. Finish strong. 
Ecclesiastes 7.8, finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. What would it look like for us this next week to carve out very specific time, both collectively on Tuesday night at 6.30 or Saturday at 10, and personally to let the Holy Spirit speak to us, to read the word of God. And we got resources. If you download our public church app, there's resources to guide you in how to pray, to guide you in how to read the word. So we can help with that. But what would it look like for us to give him space to speak to us? Because what we're praying for in these 21 days and what we're talking about when we think about our gifts is we're praying that the Holy Spirit would show us not only our gift, but a connection between our gift and a specific generation. Because as Whitney said, we are praying for the generations. In fact, this Tuesday night, we're going to be praying for people in their 30s and 40s and 50s. So if you're in that generation, come on out. We want to pray for you. If you're not in that generation, come on out and let's pray for them. And then we're ending the 21 days, Saturday at 10 o'clock. We're going to be praying for people 60 plus. You know you're in the best demographic when you got a plus there. Come on, somebody. But we're actually going to end that 21 days. We want to just gather around all of you who are the wisest among us, and we're just going to end that prayer gathering just by circling around you and praying for you. Because I'm telling you, if you are 60 plus, we need you. We got more of you than ever before, and we need your wisdom. Because without you, we're going to step in some potholes that you could help us avoid. There will be unnecessary mistakes that we will make if we don't have your wisdom and your voice and your guidance. And so we're just going to praise Jesus for you and ask for more of you on Saturday. Because retirement doesn't mean just ride it out until you die. No, retirement means you may have a new way to serve in Jesus' church on and off campus. And so we're just praying. And as we pray, we're just asking that if you have a love for kids and a gifting, a spirit-empowered ability to serve kids, the Holy Spirit would show you that, and then he would put that generation on your heart, and you would take action. If it's to serve the 60-plus, that he would show you, here's how your gift connects with people who are over 60. And we're just begging him to move us, to empower us. Because I'm telling you, when you begin to see, and here's the key, act on the connection between your gift and a generation you will not look back on the season and feel it was wasted. You will look back on the season and be like, thank you, Jesus, for using me. So that's what we're praying for. That's what we're asking for. So I'm gonna take a moment and just pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. He gives us the courage to create this space because sometimes he wants to talk to us, but we're not giving him any time to listen to us. Just pray that we would create that space and that we would hear from him. So Holy Spirit, it would be so easy for us just to blast through these next seven days and not ever give you that space. So Father, I ask that you just show us what it looks like to carve out time in your word, to carve out time to pray both personally, to carve out some collective time to pray on Tuesday or Saturday. And as we pray, Jesus, would you just reveal the gift that the Spirit has put inside of us? And would you show us a connection between that gift and a specific generation? And then give us the ability to coming out of these 21 days to act on that gift and connection. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
And I just want to, before we talk about how to sustain the gifts, I just want to let you know one way that you stepping in these opportunities matters. A big reason we're focused on the generations is because we have, we're more multi-generational than ever. We got more kids than ever. We got more 60 plus than ever. We got more 30s to 50s than ever. And we've still been able to have a whole bunch of young adults in the midst of that. And if you're a young adult, we don't take you for granted. We know that a lot of churches don't have you and we are so grateful for the privilege of investing in you. We got more students than ever. So what God is doing is he's blessing us with people of every demographic and we just wanna pray for you and we wanna serve you and we wanna steward the blessing that God has put among us. And if you're wondering like, well, if I actually join a public team or if I, will it even matter? Well, we'll just specifically, if we have about five people start serving in in, um, every single Sunday in public kids at this gathering, you know what that means? It means we could open up two more, one more classroom, and then we could also have a buddy for our special needs kids. And that's just one example with kids. If we have seven more people serving at the 1115 gathering in public kids, we can open up two classrooms and we could have a buddy to better serve our special needs children. And I could give example after example. If we had more people in audio, if we had another person running ele- uh, playing electric, um, we could go if we had more people on the camera. We could talk about if we had more people standing at the door. I mean, we could go through every single area and we could talk about, man, there is tangible impact that can happen when we step into our gifting. And just a sample from last week in, in Public Kids at the 1115 gathering, we were actually able to divide age groups because we have more teammates serving. And it was really the first time in a long time that we've been able to divide that up. And, and I was talking with Barry Crabtree, who's one of our incredible teachers this week. And he just said, man, it was so incredible to have the older kids separate from the five and six-year-olds. Because with the older kids, we were able to like actually teach them in depth and give them questions. And I'm a parent of one of those younger kids. And I'm telling you the experience that, that my son had and that so many other younger kids has was so much better because it was more age appropriate. I'm telling you life change will come if we would just step into our gifts. But then there's the question. It's a question some of you guys are asking. I'm tired. Or some of you are like, I'm going to get tired. <laughs> so I'm never going to do it because I'm just going to get tired. Like, like, how do we sustain? And Paul is actually going to lay out some common reasons that we quit. <laughs> and then he's going to also lay out how we sustain. So look with me down at verse 21. Here's one reason that we don't sustain. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. One of the reasons that we don't sustain is because we get mad at other people's gifts. We're jealous. And we begin to compare instead of celebrating. And maybe we have a little bit more visible gift. And we're like, I don't really need the person parking cars. Look at me, look what I'm doing. It's so easy for us as we step into our gifting to let pride creep in, isn't it? And I think we're more important than other parts of the body, and we're going to be okay on our own. And in fact, this was very common. Like the audience Paul was writing to in Middle Eastern culture, if the body could choose their parts, then then everybody in that culture, they would have been like, okay, I want to either be a right hand, an eye, or a head. Well, that's not a body if you just have three parts. In fact, that's why in verse 19, here's what Paul writes. He says, if they were all one part, where would the body be? In the Greek, it just says, where body? 
Question mark. So number one, if we start to feel jealous because, oh, you're gifting this way, or if we start to feel superior because I'm gifting this way and I'm more better than you, then here's the question. If we all had our gift, where body? Well, there's nobody there. Does that make sense? If it wasn't for your gift, where body? I mean, Paul's kind of funny in this. But like, like the body's missing. We need every single gift. And so here's the question that Paul's begging us to ask, in my opinion. He's begging us to ask, so, so how do we get into a place where we can actually honor each other and celebrate each other and even help discover our gifts? And for us as Jesus' public church, the answer that we're offering is community. When we get in community, we sit across from people who are gifted differently than us. We, we get to experience the diversity in the body. And as we experience that diversity in community, then it's going to build unity. Because all we have is our perspective and our gifting. And we can either be prideful or jealous. But when we sit across from somebody and they talk about their gift and they talk about their wiring, now all of a sudden, appreciation grows. In fact, the way we live out this next verse is in community. Verse 22, it says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Here's an analogy that Paul might have said. He said, you know, like we compliment people on their smiles a lot, don't we? You've probably not recently walked up to somebody and been like, your spine looks amazing. <laughs> Just checking it out, you know? But the spine is indispensable, right? But it's so easy for us to focus on the smile, you know? And all the dentists and orthodontists are like, yes, please keep focusing on the smile. We're not saying the smile doesn't matter. But it's easy to focus on the smile and miss the, the spine's role. But when we're sitting in community with people, and we see the value the spine brings, then we realize, oh, wow, we need the spine. You with me? And any of you that have ever had back issues, you know your whole body hurts when there's a disc out or when there's something going on here. It affects the whole body. So that's why next week we are inviting you to get into a community group and just some clarity about community groups, okay? We don't think community groups are necessarily the answer. They're just a answer. The real goal is not even a community group. The real goal is community. In fact, what we say is we are a church of groups. The goal is that every single one of us, whoever gathers here, has a group that we can go to. And we have lead what you love groups. So going to that group might mean working out together. It might mean mountain biking together. Just an example of a couple of groups we had this summer. It might be doing something you love together. Or it could be sitting around like our group does and discussing the talk and diving in more. It could be reading through a book of the Bible or doing a study. But the point is that we have a group and regularly, weekly, for the next 13 weeks after next week, that we're actually sitting across from people who can check this out. They can confirm what the Holy Spirit showed us in 21 days. Because some of us, we're going to hear from the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start to step into our gifting. We may even get scheduled the first time. Or we're going to be serving off campus with a local justice partner. Or just we're going to approach our job differently. We're going to be serving. And you know what? It's going to be hard. And we're going to question, did I hear from God right? And then when we sit in that community group on the day that's been really hard and that evening and somebody goes, hey, I noticed this in you and I just want to speak this life over you, that you are gifted at this, boom. Now community has confirmed what the Holy Spirit showed us. 
and we sustain, we keep going. You see that? How do we show honor in community groups? He keeps going. And Paul writes this. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Look, we do this as much as we can from stage in our gatherings. We want to thank you for the people in the parking lot. We want to thank you for people that are doing behind the scenes that create this incredible environment. But man, there's something different about actually being in a circle, being around people, and them saying, man, I noticed this that you did. Or man, you are so good. Man, you bring so much value to our group. It's an opportunity to get with a smaller um, group of people and for somebody to honor your gift. It's how we live this out in community. And then he says this, the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. There's some parts of our body that we cover up at all times, and that's a good thing, right? Okay. But here's the analogy Paul's using here. Like if you think about in this time, the Roman emperor, the Roman emperor wasn't just walking the streets every day. You couldn't see the emperor at all times. They kind of kept him hidden. Now you might see his courier every day, but they would only bring the Roman emperor out at certain times. And Paul's saying, you may feel hidden and overlooked and unnoticed, but you have immense value to the body. And he wants to speak that life over us today. That the role we have matters. And I'm telling you, when you're sitting in community with people, they're gonna notice things that we just can't notice in a setting like this. And they're gonna be able to speak that life over And so then he says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that's part should have equal concern for each other. Now, if we just took that last phrase, equal concern, it is literally impossible with the amount of people here today for us to have equal concern for every single person in this room, right? So we just can't live out the Bible, forget it. And he's not talking about a setting like this. We're the eight or 10 people. You can actually have equal concern for people. You can live this out and they can have equal concern for you. And then this next verse, it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Look, in this setting, we don't even know about all the suffering. We don't even know about all the joys. It's impossible. There's stuff going on in this section. You guys in the lobby, you have no idea these people are going through. And that's okay. Because when we get in a group, then we can suffer together. And we can find joy together. One of our values, we say it like this, we sit with people in their pain and we stand with people in their joy. That when somebody's going through a really tough time, we can sit with them in that. We can have a meal train to help them and praise Jesus for meal trains from community groups. Come on, somebody. That's enough reason to get in a community group by itself is just to get a meal train. You have a baby or something bad happens. I'll be in a community group forever just for that. I know that's not pure motives, but it's just reality. Love those mill trains. Anyway, uh, they got distracted. We can empathize with each other. But then one, one commentator I read said the second part might actually be harder. That every part rejoices with it because, man, it is so easy to get mad and begin to compete and compare when this part of the body gets recognized and you're like, I've been working so hard. And I've been doing all this and I've been serving longer than them and I've been blah, 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 blah. And they get honored and they get recognized and they're visible. Ah! But when that's somebody that you know and you know their story and you know their heart, it's so much easier to set your pride aside 
celebrate with them. And then when you learn to celebrate with them, the Holy Spirit disciplines you to celebrate with the people you don't know. Even when they get the honor that you, because we're all human, that we are craving. And that's what sustains us. So we don't get taken out by jealousy. We don't get taken out by pride. And then he anchors in this, the last verse. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Excuse me, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, just just feel this, internalize it. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And you're better off and we're better off if you are active in as your part. But we're only going to last if we're in community. If we've got people to pick us up, encourage us and call out our gifts and confirm what the Holy Spirit is saying. So public worship is going to come on up. And as they do, I actually have a prop. Some of you have been wondering the whole time, what is in this black bag? So to help us illustrate the need for community, when you figure out what this is, just shout it out. It's a radiator. Yep. Some of the prayer, one of our prayer teammates this morning said, did you take this out just for this talk? I said, sure did. Dedication. That is not true, okay? It needed to be changed. So I should not ever on my own and would not ever on my own be holding a radiator that successfully came out of a car or be able to tell a story of putting a new radiator into a car because I don't really know anything about cars, okay? But Ken Lund does. And so I was just going to take it to the mechanic. But Ken Lund, who's part of my community, said, we can save you a bunch of money, my man. Let me come help you. And oh, help he did. The only thing I did was whatever Mr. Ken says. But it's out. The new radiator's in. We still got one problem to solve, but he's coming back to do that, by the way. Change the temperature gauge, okay? One thing at a time. But, but here's my question. There, there, all of us have a radiator in our lives. All of us have something we just can't do. Something we don't know how to do. Something that needs to get done, but on our own, we can't do it. So who's going to help you with the radiator? Who's the person that's gifted in ways that you're not gifted, who can come alongside you and he, he can say, let me hold your hand. Here's how you walk through this relational strife. You know what? I know your parents got divorced when you're 23 and you just graduated college and you didn't see it coming. But my parents got divorced when I was 24 and had just graduated college. And let me hold your hand and let me walk you through this. Look, like I know that you just lost your job. And you're like, how am I ever going to make it through this? Well, a decade ago, I lost my job. And I'm telling you, it actually took me a really long time to find another one. This isn't a story with a happy ending where God just provides right away. But in the midst of that middle ground, God was faithful. So let me hold your hand and let me walk you through it. You know, you're struggling with your kids whether they're little or big. Man, I've struggled with my kids. I've been a parent for a while. I'm not trying to say I've got it all figured out. I'm just saying I've walked the road that you're walking. So can I come alongside you? You know where you find those people? The first step to finding those people is in community group. And I found a lot of those people outside of community group. I'm telling you, if you don't have somebody who can help you with your radiator, 
you want to eventually find that person, get in a group. Whether within public church, out of public, just get in a group. And that step of putting yourself out there is going to lead you towards finding that person that you need to sustain. Because there's going to come a point in our lives where we need somebody to pick us up. So the invitation, the action for us is, let's go home and pray. And let's come back next week for the expo, ready to step into our role serving, but knowing that if we start serving without community, we're probably not going to last. And let's get ready to step into community, whatever that looks like. Because we need people. And I'm telling you, God wants to provide the people we need. And so if you've got any questions about that, whether you're in the green room, the lobby, in this room, man, go to the prayer corner. If you got questions about what it means to follow Jesus, go to the prayer corner. We'd love to talk with you. If you're online, you can just email prayer at publicchurch.com. And what we're going to do, these guys are going to lead us in a song called Place of Freedom. And if we were in a community group and you were to go around to the eight or 10 people in that group, I could almost guarantee that so many of our stories would be, I found freedom from this with people. I found freedom from this with people. So even as we sing this song about the place of freedom that Jesus wants to lead us to, know that he probably is going to lead us there through people. And so will we take the step necessary to find the people we need? So Jesus, so much easier to talk about and even listen to than it is to actually do it. It's risky. It's vulnerable. But I pray that you would just show us it's worth it. And I just ask ahead of time that as we take this step next week, as we talk to people about a group, as we visit a group, that, that you would help us to find the people that we need. Because we know and we trust that you want to provide them. And through these people, lead us to the freedom you have.